What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another hour of the Andy Slater Show on this Monday, October 23rd, 2023. It is the day after a Miami Dolphins loss on Sunday Night Football. I had my eyes glued to my TV last night. I'm sure a lot of you did too, almost all of you. You're tuned into this show right now. How are you not watching last night's game? What excuse could you possibly have? The Dolphins lose to the Eagles. They lose 31-17. You look at the standings now. The Dolphins are still atop the AFC East because the Bills, they lost as well. The Dolphins are now 5-2. Talking about the Miami Dolphins will take up the majority of of this hour. This isn't the fifth quarter report. I don't even know if you would call it the sixth quarter. Whatever you want to call it, this is going to be heavy Miami Dolphins coming up, as it should be, and as I want it to be, and as you probably want it to be. The Dolphins won't be the only thing I discuss, but they will take up the majority of the hour. Look, the University of Miami, they picked up a nice W on Saturday. I was watching that game too. Saturday night, double overtime over Clemson. A very strange game. The Canes took a leap forward because they could hang with Clemson. But Mario Cristobal somehow managed to once again bungle the end of the game. And that raises some more concerns, at least for me, about the Canes moving forward and what Mario can do. But I'm not going to get into that at the top of the hour. I'm going to hammer the Miami Dolphins today. And I say hammer the Miami Dolphins. That doesn't mean like kill the Dolphins. That doesn't mean be upset about them. It just means I'm going to hammer the subject of the Dolphins. You could be a little upset. Same time, you could be a little bit okay. You can't be thrilled because they lost. But I think once you hear my perspective, maybe you'll tend to think the same way if you're not already. What else have we got going on? The World Series, that could be set in just a little bit. Two games tonight. The Panthers, they're off to an up-and-down start, two and three. Hockey night in South Florida tomorrow. What else? Lionel Messi, he returned, and Inter-Miami lost one nothing. What's remarkable about Inter-Miami is they were on this playoff push, and they didn't win any of their last seven matches. You talk about finishing up strong? Yeah, playoff push, our last seven matches We're going to win none of them. Okay. I want to get to American football, though. Not not the football that they love where I am right now doing the show from. And that is gorgeous and lovely Medellin. Colombia! I thought about going to Philadelphia. I talked about it last week. And even when I got off the air on Friday, I still thought about going. 
I was still looking up flights, but in the end, I just said, nah. The cheesesteak, it can wait. Sure, I would have seen a football game too and maybe even a baseball game tonight, but I was really going for the cheesesteak. That cheesesteak was so good. And for those of you that did go to Philly and you're already back, I hope you took my advice and got that cheesesteak from Angelo's. And I hope you enjoyed your time in Philadelphia, even though the Miami Dolphins did not come out with a W. I was tweeting some information this morning. I'm into aviation, big time. I always talk about flying. I fly a lot. I tweet a lot about planes, flights, schedules, things having to do with South Florida. So I was made aware this morning how American Airlines, and they have a hub in Miami, American, they just added, I believe, three more flights to what they already had for February 7th to the 11th from Miami to Las Vegas. They added them on the Dreamliner, which is the 787. If you fly in first class, they got the lie flat seats. They've got some nice seats in between the first class section and the regular economy section as well. Normally, they're called premium economy seats. The airplane holds a lot more people, and the first class is a lot nicer. Why am I bringing this up? Why is American Airlines adding flights or adding a better aircraft, I should say, from Miami to Las Vegas, February 7th to the 11th? Because the Dolphins might be playing in Vegas? When you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl because we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins number one. Additionally, American added that Dreamliner to the schedule from Philadelphia as well. That'll be all week leading up to the Super Bowl. So I would imagine whoever's doing the scheduling, who's ever putting certain planes to where they need to be in the schedule, who's ever in charge of that at American Airlines is speaking with someone with the airline that knows about football and they must be thinking, hey, the Miami Dolphins, even after what we saw last night, the Miami Dolphins have a legitimate shot to go to the Super Bowl. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. So what we need to do in our schedule is add the Boeing 787, the big boy, the wide body, the great plane. We need to add that from Miami to Vegas for even more days than we initially added it for. Initially, they had it for Saturday and Sunday, the day of the Super Bowl and the day before. Now they've added it from Wednesday to Sunday and also on the return until the Tuesday after the Super Bowl. So American Airlines is betting on the Miami Dolphins. They can't do it on the Hard Rock app, at least not yet, hopefully very soon. But you better believe Whoever the 
Whoever's inside there at American with the schedule, they're putting something into it, thinking that a lot of people, for some reason, from February 7th to the 11th, are going to want to fly from Miami to Vegas nonstop. And the other airline story, before I get to the Dolphins, this is going to be, and really it, it already is, but tonight on the news, you'll see this, because this is going to be a big-time story, worldwide story. I sent out a post on my X feed about this this morning, like around 10 a.m. or something. Some of you may know that when you go on a plane, there's a crew member, sometimes a pilot who's off-duty, just traveling to the city for work, and that off-duty pilot rides in the cockpit as well on a jump seat. It's just a seat that pulls off from the wall. It's not comfortable or anything, but it's an extra seat. The plane is full. An off-duty pilot can ride in the cockpit on the jump seat. Well, the big worldwide story, which is really blowing up as it should be, because this is very concerning, an Alaska Airlines pilot allegedly tried to crash a plane yesterday. They were off duty. They were in the cockpit using the jump seat. And according to the captain on the flight, because I listened to the air traffic control audio, the captain said that that pilot, the off-duty pilot in the jump seat, went to go turn the engines off. And they were able to stop him and get him out of the cockpit. And then the crew subdued the off-duty pilot. The off-duty pilot was arrested when the flight wound up landing after they diverted to Portland. It was going from uh, Everett, Washington to San Francisco. They had to divert after this. They were met by law enforcement. And the off-duty pilot who was riding in the jump seat was arrested. And then very early this morning, like around 6 or 7 a.m. Eastern time, he was charged with 83 counts of attempted murder. 83 counts of attempted murder, assuming that was the count of the people on the plane. And also 83 counts of reckless endangerment and one count of endangering an aircraft. That's so scary. It's wild. You just, you never know. You never know who's in that cockpit. This isn't something that happens often. But my gosh. I was on a flight the other day from Miami to here in Medellin. And before we boarded, I saw an off-duty captain go to the captain who was going to fly that plane to here in Medellin, say, hey, hey, excuse me, and went up to him. I guess he didn't know him and explained, hey, you know, I'm traveling on this flight. It's full. Do you mind if I ride in the jump seat? And the captain told the gate agent, yes, okay, he can use the jump seat. And then he went into the cockpit and rode on the jump seat. It's just a lot of trust. You never... You never know. It's so, so scary. But 
you know, I fly a hundred flights a year, an average of about a hundred flights a year. I know that's a lot. You probably think it's crazy to me. Like for me, it's just normal, but a hundred flights a year. And I see pilots off duty pilots in the cockpit all the time. Some crew member in the cockpit who's off duty and you just, you get on a plane and you fly if something's going to happen, it's going to happen. If you just worry about it every single time people have a fear of flying, you're, you're just going to drive yourself nuts. I mean, the amount of flights that are in the air compared to the amount of incidents, especially like this, is minuscule. It's like smaller than minuscule. You just got to fly. Like turbulence? Pfft. The only thing I worry about when it's turbulent is... My drink spilling. I just don't get worried. But this case, you'll see on the national news tonight, this is a major, major story. And it could have future implications for off-duty pilots who want to fly in the cockpit. We'll see what comes out of that. Okay, but why am I here? I know a lot of you like when I give you these type of stories and information and what I'm doing and where I'm doing the show from. Heck, I had somebody come up to me here in Medellin over the weekend as I was getting into an elevator. And they're like, hey, uh, that's you. I follow you on Instagram. You have the, the radio show. And um, I, I love what you do on on social media because you always talk about Medellin and where you're going. And that's true. I, I know a lot of you guys like that. You probably like that more than my sports takes. And you know what? I can't blame you. But I want to spend the rest of the hour giving you my sports takes, not just airline takes. But I can't give you my sports takes or my Dolphins take until this hour officially begins. It's time to shuffle up and deal. I think the question that a lot of Dolphins fans are kicking around today, should this team be encouraged at all in a loss to Philadelphia? Because there's a lot of ways you could look at that game. If you're going to go the optimistic route, you could say, hey, the Dolphins were playing behind a patchwork offensive line. They were missing their top two corners. They didn't get a call the entire night. Philadelphia literally had zero penalties at the end of the game. The Dolphins had 10. Now, yeah, the Eagles had some penalties, but they were offsetting, so it doesn't count. Penalties that really counted, that just went one way, the Dolphins had 10, the Eagles had zero. And yet, the Dolphins had the football down by seven in the fourth quarter in a hostile environment. They had a chance to win it. That would be an optimistic take. It's saying, hey, look, this team was close. They were really close. It didn't happen for them, but gosh, they were close. Or you could take the pessimistic route. The Dolphins had a pick six. They won the turnover battle, and they still lost by two TDs. Plus, the only two games they've played against good teams, they got crushed. Now, both of those views, the optimistic view 
and the pessimistic view, they're both true. And as we know, the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle of those two perspectives. I think one of the most important factors in this game, the injuries. You could talk about the officiating. I think it was the injuries. The list of injuries for the Dolphins is pretty extensive. And the reason this means something, you would think these injuries to these particular players, they're not going to be there towards the end of the season. The injuries, they won't be there. The players will. And we're talking about impact guys. Impact guys along the O-line, and the O-line was shaky all night. No Connor Williams, no Teron Armstead. Liam Eikenberg was center, and he was bad, several bad snaps. He had trouble blocking. Clearly, the O-line was off. So not only does your team have two starting O-linemen out, but then you throw Jalen Waddell out of the game because of a back injury. He came back, but he was very limited. That means the only threat the Dolphins had in the receiving game was Tyreek Hill. And that's why Tyreek had a high volume of targets and only, what do you have, less than 100 yards. That's not normal for Tyreek. And again, that's partially a consequence of being limited at that position. Sure, the Dolphins were without Devon Achan. He's been on injured reserve. Devon Achan not having him compared to having him, it looks like night and day. He's so much better than both of the Dolphins' current backups. Savon Ahmed's all right. He's not great. And Jeff Wilson Jr., we'll see. He was kind of limited last night, just kind of got his feet wet. I wouldn't really read too much into it, but Devon Achan is special. Jeff Wilson Jr., I don't know if he's ever struck anyone as special like Devon Achan. So you got injuries offensively. Defensively, you've got your starting corners out. X was just out for this game. At least that's the hope. Jalen hasn't touched the field yet, but apparently he will be soon. Cater Kohu, he was made to be the primary corner. They didn't have Nick Needham. Also, so he's trying to work his way back. There was a lot of injuries. None of this is meant as an excuse. I'm not trying to make excuses. This is just an explanation of why I saw what I saw. And yeah, I keep in mind with all that, that Tua had the ball in the fourth quarter down by seven. And underthrew it, which led to an interception. And that turned out to be the difference. I mean, that's what he said after the game, too. Tua had a chance to tie it. He threw a pick. The Eagles ran a long drive, scored a touchdown, and that was the game. I wouldn't be too concerned about this one. Sure, it would have been great to shut everybody up. All the people talking nationally that I have to see on social media all the time. I don't watch them on television, but social media clips. I just had to unfollow one writer in South Florida because all he kept tweeting about was 
the take of all these TV people. Like, you're a writer. I want to hear your take. I don't care about every single person's take. You have your own take. Give me your take. That's why I follow you. I don't follow you anymore. Couldn't take it anymore. So it would have been nice to shut everybody up about, oh, are the Dolphins good? Can they beat a a real team? But let's be realistic here. Let's say the Dolphins and Eagles were to meet again in the Super Bowl, which apparently American Airlines thinks has a good chance of happening. And I'm loyal to American, so that's great news. If the Dolphins and Eagles met in the Super Bowl, the game that we saw last night, I think, would be useless to both teams. If they watch that video, I don't think it would mean anything in a meeting in February. Because by the end of the season, the Miami Dolphins will have a much different looking roster. They'll have a much better defense. They'll have more weapons to rely on on offense. They're not going to have the same team that they had last night. Their team should be a lot better. They went out in the offseason to get Jalen Ramsey for a reason. They know that they need him. He hasn't stepped on the field yet. Defensively, a lot is going to change. On offense... Getting back Devon Achan, that'll be huge. Would it have helped them last night? I don't know what he would have been able to do. Raheem Mostert wasn't able to do a whole lot. I don't think it was a Mostert thing. I just think it was a Dolphins offensive line, Philly defensive line thing. Quarterback-wise, Tua gave him a chance. I felt like the game was going to get away from them in the second quarter right before the half. They were down two TDs. It it looked like the Dolphins were one of the worst words you can hear in sports. Shook. They looked shook. They looked discombobulated. And then Tua made a third down throw to Cedric Wilson. It was phenomenal. And even though he's not a speed guy, he uses size to make a great catch. And then Tua threw a 27-yard touchdown to Tyreek, and suddenly it was a ball game at the half. So Tua kept them in there. He wasn't perfect. You could tell Tua wanted to get down and not get hit when the Eagles had the opportunity to get at him. I just really don't know what you could take from last night's game and use later on come playoff time or if the Dolphins were to face the Eagles in February in Vegas in the Super Bowl. You know, I was talking about injuries, and I forgot to mention two key Dolphins on defense, David Long Jr., who was having a really good game, and Javon Holland. They ran into each other. They banged helmets in the game. Long went to the locker room for the protocol. Holland was cleared. But having that happen to a defense in the game, and that D was already scratching and clawing, It's tough. Now, I know a lot of you want to talk about the officials. I understand it. I'll talk about it. I'm not going to blame the officials for the Dolphins losing the game. I just don't think the game, in the end, means a whole lot at the end of the season because of who the Dolphins had and who they didn't. But I'll get into a lot more that I saw last night, including the officials, 
and I'll do that in just a moment. What you should do tonight, you're going to go out and watch the game Monday night. Head on over to Dean's Gold, the ultimate gentleman's club, where you'll be entertained by gorgeous. You'll never be bored no matter what the score is. They got tons of TVs at Dean's Gold. You could watch every game there because Dean's Gold is open every day from 8 p.m. all the way until 6 in the morning. You could have your own halftime show at Dean's Gold. You'll be surrounded by beautiful women who come from all over the world. That is what makes Dean's Gold the ultimate gentleman's club. So many different countries are represented at Dean's Gold. How do you get to Dean's Gold? Get in a car, get in somebody else's car, and head on over to the northeast corner of Northeast 163rd Street and Biscayne Boulevard that's in North Miami Beach. Surround yourself with beautiful women who come from all over the world. There is only one place in South Florida you can do that, only one building. It is the ultimate gentleman's club, Dean's Gold. It was the officials, the referee, all the officials. That's why the Dolphins lost last night. That's not me talking. But that's the chatter that I hear from friends on social media. You go on to Facebook, you go on to Instagram, you see all these memes and all these things, how the officials were playing for the Eagles. They were so against the Dolphins. When you look in the end how... Miami had 10 penalties and Philly had zero. And you might be thinking, whoa, wait a minute. The Eagles did have some penalties. They did, but they were offsetting. So they don't get put like, okay, it's a penalty against Philadelphia because offsetting penalties don't go into the stats. So Miami had 10 penalties. Philadelphia had none. And Did the officials lean towards Philly? It's hard to say that they didn't because a game as physical as the one we saw last night where you have one team committing 10 and the other team committing zero is pretty much impossible. Heck, that one play near Philly's goal line, the fourth down play, clearly a penalty on the Eagles. The only good thing is that the next play, the Dolphins had that ball don't lie moment where Jerome Baker got a pick six, essentially giving the touchdown to the Dolphins that they were robbed of. My big takeaway from that game last night in terms of something that will impact this Miami team moving forward, I thought operationally they played their worst game of the season offensively. And I'm talking about getting the play in, getting to the line quickly, dealing with the crowd noise. I thought all of that was poor the entire night. The Dolphins looked like just any other team. The Dolphins didn't look like the freight train that had been running through the league the first two months of the season. They just looked like any NFL team on a Sunday night. The fun part of the Dolphins' offense is all that movement where you've got The guy's shifting, they're moving out, they're finding space, they're exposing the defense. Tua's picking them apart. It seemed to me in that hostile environment, you got all that crowd noise. 
the Dolphins weren't able to do as much of what they're used to doing. And it took the wind out of their sails. And here's the problem with that. If that is true. If the Dolphins cannot run those funky plays because of a hostile environment, then a potential road playoff game, let's say at Kansas City or Buffalo or Baltimore, wherever it may be, that would create a major problem for them. So the hope is you play well enough the rest of the season where all of your playoff games will be at home, which is very weird talking about and even thinking about if you're a Dolphins fan. You're like, I'll just take one home playoff game. But if I can have them all, if I can have a bye weekend, the divisional round and the AFC championship game in Miami Gardens, heck yeah. So the hope is you, you try to do that. But when you look back at that video as a Dolphins player, you would hope that the player recognizes they were slow, they were sloppy. Uh, Mike McDaniel said one of his play calls got in late and Tua had to burn a second-half timeout. So you realize that there were operational errors. And you have to know that this is a team that cannot get their offense going if you're going to have those operational errors and a hostile environment. You've got to try to solve that because last night the Dolphins just looked very ordinary. Heck, Tyreek even dropped the ball. When I saw that play happen, I thought two things. First of all, geez, that was really a back-breaking kind of play. But the second thought I had was, wow, this guy's got more than 900 yards in the first seven games and rarely drops anything. It just puts into mind how amazing, you know, what Tyreek is doing but everybody seemed to be off in that stadium. Tyreek has been so good. This offense has been so good. If you want to go back to that optimistic view, they were still in this game. And they have all these injuries. They have playmakers who were out. So there is an optimistic way to look at this game. But you cannot have those operational errors. You cannot be stopped from doing what you normally do, which is so successful because of a hostile environment. And the running game last night was pretty much non-existent until a few runs from Mostert in the second half. I think Philly, they got one of the best front sevens in the NFL, and sure, that's a factor. The beat-up offensive line by Miami also a factor. If the Dolphins cannot run the football, if they can only rely on Tua to drop straight back and throw, then they're just ordinary. It's kind of a, an insult, like a huge insult to the Dolphins' offense because they've been so special. And then if you call them just ordinary, like any old offense, that's insulting. But the Dolphins have just been so good. Now their next game coming up against New England, I don't think you could take the Patriots lightly, even though Mac Jones, to me, stinks. I know Mike Kosicki just caught the game-winning touchdown and they beat the Buffalo Bills, and the Patriots radio network said Kosicki from off the back of a milk carton to the end zone because he's been missing. But it's Bill Belichick. 
you can't take them lightly. Even though the Dolphins have already beat them and they've got a good defense, you can't mess around. You mess around like the Bills just did, the Patriots will beat you, especially if the Dolphins are beat up themselves in the secondary and offensively. Before I get to more Miami Dolphins talk, because I can't talk enough about them, and I'm sure I will discuss the Dolphins even more uh, tomorrow, my next poker tournament, it's coming up in just a couple of weeks. I just had it last week. It's coming up again. $20,000 now guaranteed in the prize pool for the Slater Scoops Poker Tournament at Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Hollywood. That is the home of my poker tournament, the Slater Scoops Poker Tournament. Now with twenty grand minimum in the prize pool, we just had it last Tuesday. There was more than $30,000 in the prize pool. You start with 40000 in chips. It's only 250 bucks to buy in. Put a reminder in your phone, Tuesday night, November 7th. That is my next tournament, Tuesday night, November 7th at the Hard Rock. Cards will be in the air at 6 p.m. You could register until 9.30 p.m. So there's no excuse about traffic. I couldn't get there in time. You got until 9.30 p.m. Tuesday night, November 7th to get there. The tournament begins at 6 p.m. $20,000 guaranteed in the prize pool. I hope to see you for my tournament, the Slater Scoops Poker Tournament, Tuesday night, November 7th in the Poker Room at Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Hollywood. Live racing going on right now at Gulfstream Park every week. It is their sunshine meet happening at Gulfstream Park in Hollandale Beach. If you want to go out to Gulfstream Park and do the same thing I do, here's how to do it. You go there, a live race day, and they got live racing every week right now. You go to their trackside restaurant, 10 Palms. Get yourself a table, have a fantastic meal, watch the races live right in front of you, and play some bets. Heck, you could wager as little as 10 or 20 cents and possibly make thousands of dollars. I see that happen all of the time. Visit GulfStreamPark.com for the entire racing schedule, all the information, live racing every week during the Sunshine Meet going on right now in Hollandale Beach in our own backyard at Gulfstream Park. Such a fun place to be, especially when you're having a really good meal and maybe even winning some money. If you wagered on the Miami Dolphins last night, you didn't win. Unless maybe you had a prop of will the Eagles do the tush push. I like brotherly shove better than tush push. What a weapon that is for them. Having a fourth down play that literally works every single time, that's good to have in your arsenal. Should it be allowed? A lot of people think it's going to get banned. Is it a football play? Not really. It's more like a rugby play. Is it fun to watch? I think seeing it is kind of interesting the first few times. But then after you see it again and again and again, and you see how it works perfectly, it's like impossible to stop. That's when you say, okay, this is absurd. So I have a feeling the league will do something about it. I wouldn't want to see the Dolphins try it with Tua. 
Jalen Hurts, he's perfect with it. Tom Brady was the same way with quarterback sneaks. He mastered it. It's a small detail that becomes huge in a game where Philadelphia dominated the time of possession. The clock just keeps running and they keep the football. And maybe part of their goal last night, and I thought this right from the get-go, seeing them do these runs, knowing Miami's secondary was banged up, I thought maybe Philly's just trying to keep Miami's offense off the field. And that could be a thing in big games down the stretch. You want to slow down the Miami Dolphins offense, well, just don't give them the football. I think that's pretty simple. There's not much Tua can do from the bench. So the opponent's going to want to maintain possession, have long drives. The play calling for Philly last night, I didn't think it was good. I actually thought it was really bad, especially in the beginning. It gave the Dolphins a fighting chance. Philly was about to go in. I don't know what the heck they were doing on second down, and I don't know what the heck they were doing on third down. A QB sneak from shotgun five wide from like the eight-yard line, third and goal? Huh? But Miami's got to understand, especially the defensive side, how important it is to get the ball back as often as possible for that offense and not to allow seven or eight-minute drives. And while I mention seven or eight minutes, heck, it won't even take that long to call Trajan Wealth and let them help you plan your future. You may want to retire early. It will cost you nothing to set up a meeting with Trajan Wealth. They will help you out. You might be thinking, hey, Halloween, it's next Tuesday. What am I going to wear? What you should be thinking is, how am I going to go on more vacations? How am I going to retire early? That's much more important than what am I going to wear next Tuesday night while I try to go get some candy from my neighbors. Trajan Wealth, they're almost like a neighbor. They're located in Palm Beach. They're very easy to get a hold of. Visit their site, TrajanWealth.com. That's TrajanWealth.com. Or call them at 561-390-1000. That's 561-390-1000. Trajan Wealth will help you design a plan for your future based on your goals. Visit TrajanWealth.com and get a hold of them right away. Advisory services are offered through Trajan Wealth LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor, and this is a paid advertisement. Before the hour is up, at least one of our teams in Miami, football-wise, got a W over the weekend. I know you'd rather it be the Dolphins, but the Dolphins will be okay. The Miami Hurricanes, they beat Clemson Saturday night. It's a big step forward for the program. Yes, that's the worst Clemson team that we've seen in years, but it's still Dabo Sweeney coming into Hard Rock. And Mario sent him back with an L. That's good news. Did it take until double overtime to beat an unranked opponent? Yes, it did, but the Canes improved to 5-2. and two. Would be 6-1 and one and probably ranked if they took a knee against Georgia Tech, but... They're 5-2, and two. they're not 6-1, and one. and Mario Cristobal gets a W, but I saw him mess up again. 
Emory Williams showed some flashes of what he can do at quarterback. Miami was down 10 heading into the fourth quarter. He had to make some throws to give the Canes a chance. The first three quarters, I felt they were kept kind of basic for Emory. TVD didn't play. They were just kept very basic for Emory Williams, the plays, throwing quick screens to his receivers. But when the game was getting out of hand, Mario, he had to give Emory more control of that game. And Emory Williams proved himself, which leads me to the two-minute drill that wasn't. Miami had the ball around the 30, about a minute and a half to go with a timeout. Tie game. That is where you play to win the game. You play to win the game. You don't play for overtime. So many things could happen in overtime. Let's just say Mario trusted the run more fine. Miami gets a first down. Now they're near the 45. You still have a timeout. They need, what, 20, 25 yards for a shot at a field goal? Instead, Mario decides to waste the time, huddle, let the clock roll, and basically play to get to OT. I can assure you, if the Canes lost that game, my goodness, everyone would be crushing Mario yet again today. We've heard for a long time he's a great recruiter. He's questionable as a game day coach. But now I think it's really revealing itself. That's two games, both ACC games, that Mario's decision-making late could have resulted in losses. One of them did. The other one didn't, but it certainly could have. And this is a team that aspires to play for championships. You simply cannot have that. It's a good thing the Canes do have Reuben Bain, though. That's the best player on the team. My goodness. True freshman, eight tackles, two sacks. He is so dominant. He's a man against boys already. He is a true freshman. If Mario can get a few more players like Reuben Bain, how could the Canes not turn in to being a serious contender? Ruben Bain is so fun to watch because he is so good and knowing that he is so young just makes it even better. You know, how much, I know things are different now in college football, but as long as Ruben Bain is on that University of Miami roster, it's going to be exciting to watch at least on defense. Now, if they can get a few more Ruben Bains, Now we're talking. Well, I'm out of time to talk for today, but the good thing is I could do it again tomorrow. So for now, I'm Andy Slater, and I'll see you later.